Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Again, let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. Super big thanks, as always, almost every day, Ace Andrews. He'll be doing a great job today. Hey, are you a member of the I Work For Him Nation? Have you taken a chance to go out there and look what the I Work For Him Nation covenant says? We're looking for Christ followers around the world to make the commitment to start praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. We're looking for Christ followers around the world to look for ways to serve those they work with, to look for ways to befriend those they work with so that they've got an opportunity to share Jesus in a live friendship-like fashion. We're also looking for Christ followers in the workplace. I work for Amnation members that are that are being aware of the countenance, the attitudes, the actions of their coworkers and employees so that when they're normally up and you notice that they're down, you have an opportunity to start a conversation with them. You have an opportunity to say, "Listen, you don't you seem like something's wrong. Are you okay?" and use that opening conversation to say, "Wow, thanks for sharing that." Whatever it may be. Hey, can we pray about that together right now? I've never had anybody tell me no. When somebody's got something going on in their lives, they ne- I've never had anybody say, no, you can't pray with me about that. <laughs> never, never. So don't be worried about the answer. Never. And believe me, I'm way more brash than you are. Never have anybody turned down prayer. But all along, members of the I Work For M Nation are called to excellence in their workplace. People who are shining lights in their position in their workplace. That they do outstanding work, the best they can do each and every day as bringing glory to the Lord, whether you're screwing bolts on, screwing screws into the wall, putting bolts or nuts onto a bolt, digging ditches, you're a police officer, you're a doctor, you're an attorney, maybe you're a radio talk show host, whatever it is. You're bringing glory to the Lord with what you do by by doing whatever you do with excellence. That's what it means to join the I Work For Him Nation. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag today. Start praying for your coworkers and employees tomorrow. Start transforming your workplace immediately. Wait till you see what God can do in your heart. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds. Romans 12.2 talks about this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, every day on I Work For Him, I bring on different guests that will help that inspire me in my faith walk. And I know that they're going to inspire you by hearing their stories. Today, 
Uh, this is, the, I don't know, I get a lot of really cool interviews. This one, I'm really excited. About a month and a half ago, I had Gary and Winnie Whitmore from Trans World Radio on. And, and when Gary was leaving the studio, I says, hey, Jim, you know, I've got this pastor from Cuba. He's got a really fantastic testimony. I think you, your listeners would really enjoy hearing from him. I'm like, Cuba? Everybody wants to know what's going on in Cuba. I said, let's get that scheduled. So we've got in studio today, I'm going to let Gary introduce our guest. We've got in studio today, once again, Gary Whitmore with Trans World Radio. That's right, the Trans World Radio. If you don't know about Trans World Radio, you just got to go to TWR.org and find out about them. But they're broadcasting the gospel into nations that you cannot have radio stations. But they got super duper really powerful radio stations that broadcast across the oceans and invade the airspace like an army battalion with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gary Whitmore, welcome back to I Work For Him. It's good to be here, Jim. You got me excited now. <laughs> good. I'm excited. So why don't you talk to me about your guest, and then, and then we'll take the conversation from there. Thank you, Jim. Alberto, I've been with him. When you're with somebody driving and meeting with other people and you begin to hear their testimony and who they are, and Alberto has been a pastor in Cuba for 50 years. And um, hate But he only looks like he's uh, well, 25. He claims he's getting younger each year, year, though. That's right. He's at a certain age where the clock is ticking backwards now. And Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. But uh, it's hard for us to understand that um, somebody who's been in a place like Cuba, many people in Cuba came to the States when they could. He stayed. That's part of his testimony. I'm sure he'll probably share that. But, um, and um, God has greatly used him. He's now, um, Trans World Radio has been broadcasting into Cuba since 1964. And in 1965, in a uh, concentration camp, he was discouraged. Why, God, am I here? And he had a little AM radio. He snuck in to listen to Cuban music. And one night he heard for the first time in Spanish, this is Transworld Radio broadcasting the Word of God from the island of Bonaire and it changed his life like God was hugging him. So, uh, And that's just the power of, of radio, reaching people where they are with with God's hope where they are. And Bonaire was, was the... That was the island you first got sent to at Transworld Radio. That's right. Way back in 1976. That's right. Wow. Okay. And the station there in those days was 500,000 watts, 10 times the max power you can use here in the States. 500. That's what I mean. It's power. Like, it's just like a Tim Allen. Oh, oh, it's big power. All right. Alberto, we don't have enough time to introduce. We're going into a break. When we come back, I want people to hear the story of your life transformed by Christ okay. and how it has touched the lives. I know you were in prison at the time, but it has now touched the lives, I'm sure, of thousands of people. And Gary, how Transworld Radio, again, is amping up its broadcast into Cuba because now there's people to actually follow up on the ground with the message that you can actually coordinate with because there's there's people there. So we're going to come back with these guys. We've got Gary Whitmore with Transworld Radio and Alberto Gonzalez with Transworld Radio and he's a pastor in Cuba and they can talk about it now, which is really, really cool. Alberto, I'm just going to I'm going to just, let's talk to him about how you first came to know Jesus on the island of Cuba. Okay, brother, thank you for this opportunity to share my testimony. I am really happy, and it's a blessing for me to be here. I grew up in a Christian family in Cuba. I belong to a second generation of that Christian family. My uh, grandparents were faithful Christian, And then I grew up in a Christian uh, church, and when I was nine years old, I decided to accept Jesus 
as my saver. I remember the night and I went running to the platform just to, to give my, my life to Jesus. All my life attending Sunday school, you know, all, all my life uh, uh, learning about the Bible. And so I loved Jesus. But anyway, I decided and I surrendered to him and I uh, accepted him as my saver. Only when I was nine years old. After that, you know, uh, we continued growing up in, the, in that church. I went in Cuba to a Christian school because in that time we had in Cuba very good Christian schools. All my education until I was graduated to a high school was in a Christian school also. You know? So that's back in the 50s? Yeah, it okay. was in the 50s. The revolution, Cuban Revolution took over in 1969. And then I was a student in that school until 1961, when the Cuban government closed all the Christian schools in Cuba. It was the time when I finished my high school. I was thinking to go to the seminar, uh, to to the university, to to be an architect. But God called me when I was 16 years old to be a pastor. And in that time, the situation in Cuba began to change because, you know, the Cuban Revolution, at the beginning, they were saying that they were not communists, but by the time they were chiming in, and in 1961, they declared that they were communists. They took all the Christian schools, and situations inside churches began to be really, really difficult. Part of my family... Let me ask you a question, because not everybody that's listening today grew up in a world where we, they even got educated in what communism is all about and why communists are so afraid of the Christian church. You know, I, I grew up, you know, over the last 50 years, we've had Russia, you know, communist nation, Vietnam, communist nation, China, communist nation, Cuba, communist. But why are the communists so afraid of Christianity? Well, in my mind, it's because communists... Uh, well. In Cuba, it's different now, but in that time... I understand. We're talking yeah, about communists, communists don't believe in God. You know, they they want to teach to people atheism, atheism, not to believe in God. This is one of the purpose of that. I remember when they established the revolution, they closed all the Christian schools. They don't close the churches, but they began to... Churches began to face a lot of troubles, a lot of restrictions, you know. Uh, so it was really difficult. Many people are afraid to go to churches because probably, especially in that time, if you are a Christian and you continue to be a faithful Christian, you are going to face troubles in your job, in your neighborhood. They are going to be untruthful about you because... They wanted to establish a very atheistic nation. Atheistic nation. Just you want know, to make sure people understand what you're saying. It was the purpose. Well, I'm almost wondering if, it, if communism, it just came to me as you were talking about that, that communism, they're afraid of the freedom that we have in Christ. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. And, and that's got to be And they always be declare that you are free to believe. This is not the true, because if you are a believer, you are going to be like a second-class person, you know, because they say that the very smart people, intellectuals, and so they don't believe in Jesus. Is that the communist says, and the uh, that they were teaching in Cuba in that times, as if because of education, when people reach more knowledge about everything, they were going to abandon their faith in God. In God, you know, that was at the beginning of the sixties okay. when they began to do that. From the beginning, not, because when the rebels come from the mountains to Cuba, they they were believers, the majority of them. They were declared that they were believers. But, you know, in two, three years, the situation 
changed quickly. And then in 1965, they declared, uh, the, in 1961, after Bay of Peaks, yep. they declared that the Cuba would be a socialist nation, you know, and everything began to church in, in churches. For example, all my family, my mother, and even my two sisters and my brother, they abandoned the church. They, they are afraid to continue attending the church. My father became communist. And then my father uh, prohibited my mother to go to churches. This is, was usually in that time to Cuba. If you are communist, the other people who live in your house, they are not possible to go to churches because churches are open. They, are continu- they, te- they say to people that it's possible to believe, but you know, the situation is totally, totally different. So my family abandoned the church. But I was Christian. It was impossible for me to do that. You know, when they decided to, to not to attend more the church for me, it was a real trouble with my family. Because I loved Jesus. I wanted to serve Him. I was thinking to be a pastor. I, my church was a good church. I loved my church. I loved Jesus. So I decided to stay. And in that moment, I went like a... Um, dark sheep in my family because of them integrated to to the government and to the system and I started at church thinking to be a pastor. Probably that was one of the so, uh, reasons. So because you didn't follow communism, you became really a, a the the they just your your family just said, Hey, I'm not you just can't did they kick you out of the family? Well they continued to be my family but we don't have too much to share, you know. They are not interested in what what we are doing. They do not ask nothing about about church, about what really happens. And in some way, we were I, I feel isolated from my family. I continue loving them because they are my family, you know. But in some way, they were rejecting me, rejecting me. When I told to my father that family, I will be a pastor, he was really, really... Uh, angry because of that, because, you know, for many years, uh, I was the only person in the family that belonged to a church. So you were still going to church when the communist revolution really started, kicked off. Were you trying to get into seminary then, or were you, I mean, is that when you tried to get into seminary, or what what, what was the situation that ended up you getting into prison? Well, uh, the situation was that many people abandoned churches, you know, in that time. Many of the churches in Cuba decrease in membership, and people are really afraid. If those that belong, that remain in churches, were, you know, facing many, many troubles. Finally, I decided to go to the seminary, and I went to the Baptist Seminary in Havana. When I was a student in the Baptist Seminary in Havana... So they hadn't closed the seminary yet? No, no. They, they closed the Pentecostal seminaries. It was the only seminary that was closed in Cuba after the revolution. But the other seminaries, they remain teaching all the time with so few uh, students, but anyway, open and teaching. Finally, I could uh, uh, attend the Baptist Seminary, and when I was finishing in my third year, the government established like a special military service, uh, was just taking people and sending them to the sugarcane fields in the middle of the island, just like labors, real sure. labor camps. Like a labor they camp, don't like sure. to name concentration camps, but they were concentration camps, especially labor camps, different like the that the concentration camps in Germany. You know, it was not to kill people; it was only to reprogram in our minds. You know, I remember okay. uh, I received an uh, appointment to present 
to a military service, but it wasn't a military service. You know, it was the law, the military service was covering that uh, project, and we took awesome 16 students from the Baptist Seminary, and many people, more than 20,000, 20, 25,000 people. 25,000 people. 25,000 people were to that camps, labor camps in Camagüey. And they were all Christians? No, none of them were Christians, were every kind of people. Uh, delinquents, all homosexuals in that moment, they were taken to the camps. Uh, people who wanted to immigrate to use to USA, people are not in agreement with revolution. You know, that kind of people, they put all of them together and sent to that, to that camps. Uh, and and it, it causes for me, at the beginning, I was really proud to, to suffer for Christ. You know, this is an opportunity to, because I was a, a faithful young man in Cuba. Even my family abandoned the church, and I, I remain in serving God. At the beginning, I was really, uh, oh, God, thank you for this opportunity to be faithful and even to suffer because of sure. Jesus, you know. But, you know, by the first year, months, Frank's months, you know, uh, it began to, to feel bad. All right, we're talking with Alberto Gonzalez. He just talked about how at first it felt good to suffer for the Lord, but after months and months and months, this tune may have changed a little bit. Talking about suffering for the Lord, living in Cuba the last 60-plus years, Alberto Gonzalez got more to share with us. We've got Gary Whitmore and Alberto Gonzalez in here from Trans World Radio sharing about what's going on in Cuba. We're hearing a little bit of Alberto's testimony. Alberto, when you were in the concentration camp, the labor camp, you're working in the sugar cane fields, you said. Yes. Okay. And in, but it was there that... You said it started to get long. The days started to get long. It started. You, at first, you were happy to suffer, and then all of a sudden, it got a lot harder. Talk, pick it up the story. Yeah, from that. you know, brother, because it, it was it was so suddenly we, we we were preaching in my church one Sunday, uh, and then the other Sunday that was in the concentration camp. It was unexpected. Uh, we never imagined something like that. And at the beginning, as I told you before, I was really happy. Okay, God, thank you for the opportunity to suffer for you and to uh, show our faith in front of that people that don't, do not believe in you. But, you know, months by months and by months and by months, I, I, I began to feel frustrated. You know, I began to ask God, why me? If I have been faithful, all my family are abandoned you, all the many people are abandoned churches, all the young people in Cuba don't want to listen about you, they don't love you, I love you, I want to serve you. Why am I, I am here? And I began to, to live like uh, God is, was forgotten me, was abandoned me, and you know, because it was really difficult times. We were, we were working in the sugar cane field from the f uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes until midnight. You know, just totally afar from our family. For many months, it was impossible to have visits and also to send uh, letters to them. Finally, we uh, they can visit us once uh, a month for an hour, and so. And I began to feel that, yo, I am not going to return to seminary. God has abandoned abandoned me. Uh, this is this is unfair. But you know, I had a little portable radio over there to, to listen to music. radio, yeah. Yeah. And probably one of the most desesperating nights in my life, I began to look, to tune the radio just for uh, listen music. And I listened by the first time in my life. This is Transform Radio broadcasting the Word of God from the island of Bonaire. You know? 
just in the same moment that I was thinking that God is forgotten me, I found Radio. Radio. So, that night I, I called to other Christian people over there, and we meet to listen that the message that David is talking to us, that life is, God has a purpose to our lives. And, you know, it's, it, for me, was to feel that God really was embracing me in that place. I was feeling abandoned, but it was not true. God loves me. God has, a, God has a purpose. It's even possible for Him to reach me, uh, although I am now in the worst place and the worst time in my life. And it changed my mind mm. that night. I, I, I love that. And, and what year was that, that you first heard Transworld Radio on your little transistor, transistor radio? When was that? Yeah, what year was that? Uh, it was in 1965. Okay, so 1965. Gary, you went to Bonaire to work at that radio station in the mid seventies. Nineteen seventy six, so, right? So your predecessor is the one who was broadcasting. Had they been working on after the revolution? Had they been working on on upping their wattage so they could get into Cuba? Or what was the process leading up to Alberto actually getting to hear the gospel on the radio? I think God's timing is is always perfect. They had been <laughs> yes, broadcasting from maybe I'm sure the last time Hitler Station in Monte Carlo in nineteen sixty. He didn't broadcast a word, but we started broadcasting there from 1960. But then they realized they, they we should be reaching Latin America also. So they began for, uh, constructing the station in 1964. It went on the air. In some ways, before that, all the radios were big transistorized I mean, uh, of tubes and so on. But at that perfect time, that's when you had the transistor radio. So out in the sugar cane fields, he could hear in 1965. So the station started in 1964 to reach Latin America and the Caribbean. Of course, part of that was, was Cuba. And it was 500,000 watts, which is 10 times the power you can use here in the States. So how far nautically is Bonaire from Cuba? I'm not for certain. Probably 1,000 miles. Yeah. I was Bonaire say is the north shore of Venezuela in right. South America, and Cuba is in the center of the Caribbean, probably. I don't know exactly, but it's really far. Yeah, long ways. A yeah. long, long way. way. But at night... Was this at night when you heard it the yeah, first time? Yeah, it's at night. And at night, AM stations, I mean, yeah, even yeah. at 50,000 watts, yeah, you yeah. can hear AM stations across this country four or 500 miles for sure. I yeah. mean, because I've done it as I've driven right. across the country at night. But you're talking across the sea, and AM, you know, signals get messed up by weather, and there's always weather in the Caribbean. There's always a lot of moisture in the Caribbean. I mean, there's a lot of that. Uh, but, but excuse me, do you know that, it, uh, that the Cuban government prohibited all the radio Christian programming in 1963? So, they they prohibited prohibited it. They in 1963, they, they prohibited all the broadcasting Christian program in Cuba. So, broadcasting out of Cuba it was all yeah. prohibited. Yeah, no, inside Cuba. But f for us, Transworld Radio was the provision for God, for Christian people in Cuba. Because they began to tune in foreigner stations because uh, they are used to have Christian programs inside Cuba. But now they were all prohibited. So And they couldn't prohibit it. I mean, there's yeah, no way for them course, to block you know, They couldn't block know, the AM radio waves. So you're in the sugarcane fields. You've got your transition radio, transistor radio, and all of a sudden you feel the warmth of the Lord's hug when he gives you a radio station. I mean, he gives you somebody to encourage you when you're back at your bunk or whatever. You, were you sleeping on the floor or sleeping in a bunk? What did they have for you when you're done in the sugarcane fields? Well, uh, we, need, we need to be careful when we're listening to the radio because it's officials. Uh, they, they do not allow us. 
uh, I, I remember a night when an official came to get, uh, together and they go, okay, you, it's impossible to listen to some foreigner station. Okay, and we go inside the canes, you know, we, we need to take care, but we were work, uh, working hard during the nights and this wasn't our only opportunity. You know, when you are in a place like that, you learn how to to escape from sure, a lot of restrictions, system. you know, yeah. about the system. And even we have hiding Bibles over there. It was impossible to have Bibles, but we have Bibles. It was impossible to pray, but we did, you know. Uh, it's so another another circumstance. So how many years were you in the concentration camp? Almost three years. Three years. Three years. Almost three years. And when they released you, I imagine you were very skinny, because I'm sure you didn't get fed well. Where did they let you go? I mean, because they knew you were a pastor by then. They had to know that you were a Christian. Well, you know, finally, finally, the government recognized that that camps uh, were a really big mistake. And they closed the camps and they erased the story. They said that almost n nothing happened, you know. They sent again to our homes, to our works, and people returned. We returned to the seminary without troubles and began to work like pastors without troubles also. Nobody impede all to do that and all camps were closed in that in that time uh, I returned to the seminary was a student another year and finally began to be a pastor in Cuba uh, but because of that experience I was thinking to come to the states to escape into to this escape to the states you know even even before that, as I grew up in a Christian school in Cuba, having a lot of re strong relationships with North American missionaries, and many of the students of the school that I was studying in Cuba, when they finished high school, they got scholarships to come to the States to study. I was expecting the same in my life, you know. Uh, in my dream was to come to the States even before the revolution, because I had close relationships with many, many Americans. But in the moment that I was graduated from the seminary, it was impossible to travel. I began my ministry just thinking, okay, sometimes uh, by the will of God, I will go to America to live and to be in a free country. This was my my thinking in that time. But God's plans were, were different. Alberto, you got to go home. You mentioned, I, I asked you a question off the air, because I didn't want to ask you on the air. Have you ever gotten married? You don't have a ring on your finger, so, you know, in America, that's what we look for. Mm -hmm. And you said, yeah, I've been married 50 years. Yeah, 50 years ago. <laughs> and and, and the, you got to talk about how you got married. Yeah, um, we were, uh, I was in the concentration camp. Um, we have a three years engagement with my girlfriend before that. Uh, we were thinking to marry just finishing the seminary, but... Uh, I was taken to the concentration camp nine months before that. So when, after being at the concentration camp for nine months, they allowed us to go home first time for a week, just for a week. And it was the week that we take to be married. It was actually the week that you had planned to get married. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly. amazing. We, we were to be graduated at the seminary in June. And the, that opportunity to return home was also in June. And we married exactly the day that we were thinking. That's, you know, that's it's, pretty it's, cool. It's incredible, an incredible story, especially when we had a lot of trouble to get my permit to go in, 
in this special uh, week. But anyway, God does. So you got married, and then you still had to go back and serve over two more years in the concentration camp. Yes, yes. Did, did a lot of people die in the concentration camps? No, not, no, not really. They, uh, as far as I know, nobody died. You know, the purpose, the purpose was not to kill people; it was just to change the, their mind, reprogram yeah, their to minds. reprogram and reeducate people. And the, the day that we entered to the camp, uh, the lieutenant who was receiving us told in that way, "Okay, you are coming now because you are you are thinking bad. You are not approving the revolution. You need to change your mind, and you are going to be here until the day you change your mind." You know, when we entered the camp, we never imagined when we are going to be released. Although they were, we were talking taken there by the military service. Military service in that time in Cuba was only three years. Finally, they didn't uh, in that the way, you know. But when they welcome us at the camp, they say, you never know. It depends on your mind, you know, if you change your mind. But, you know, it's impossible if you are a real Christian, probably you are going to face some crisis, but you are going to stay close to the Lord because we need God. Absolutely. We need Him. If, if you know Jesus, it's impossible to abandon Him. Amen to you that. You know that? I do so, know that. that but for me, I was suffering a lot. I have a lot of questions to God. I was feeling abandoned, feeling forgotten for God. But anyway, I love God. And I, in more deeper part of my heart, I felt that He loved me anyway. So when I listened to the radio, was that like a proof, like a signal that God was was. In there, God has a plan. I do not understand. I am suffering a lot. I don't know what is going to happen in the future, but God has a plan. I need to keep him faithful. And I return to God. My wife helped me a lot to return to God in that time because uh, she was always patient. When I, uh, I began to express to her all my frustration, all my anger. This is all via letter. Yeah, by letter, fires, and when... She began to visit because four months later, and we were taken to the concentration camp, they allowed an hour visit monthly. So when she was there, okay, you need to be patient. God loves you. They have a purpose for our lives. You will see. Just wait. You know, trust in the Lord. Wait and trust in the Lord. She helped me a lot. I was telling to him, to her, a lot of bad things, you know. But she always told me, I trust in you, you are a believer, you are a Christian, you are going to change, you know. This is a special situation that you are living, everything is going to, to pass, and you are going to be, again, the same man that you were before, you know. And the good news is, you got out of the concentration camp, you got to finish seminary, you became a pastor. A lot of people listening, and I want to make sure we get to what's going on today. Talk about the last 50 years. How were you able to be an evangelical pastor in a place where evangelism was a wasn't allowed. Okay, you know, this was really difficult. Sometimes some people in the States ask me about the way that we work in Cuba, and they have some questions, for example, that uh, do they, do you need to give your sermons to the police? Because, you know, and that kind of questions uh, demonstrated that people do not understand really what is the situation when sure. you're living in, 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 in a communist camp, a communist country, you know. Uh, churches are open, you can preach, but you know, you have a lot of restrictions to do everything in, in churches. It's impossible to preach 
on radio. It's impossible to preach outside the, the churches. The only way to share the gospel is one by one, or, or if people come into the church. But in another, another situation is that people are afraid to come to church. And why were they afraid? Because in, the, in that moment during the 60s, when people began to attend churches, always some people from the government visited, well, this is not coming into you. Uh, you know, the Christians are not really, they are very not intelligent people. Uh, if, you, you're, if you attend the churches, probably your children are impossibility to go to schools to study. And, to, you know, and people are really afraid, and even, even to have troubles in their job. Uh, and that, that was actually, the situation in the 60s. You did know? that actually happen, though? If people started going to church, did their kids start getting uh, put into special schools to get reprogrammed? Did, did people have problems in their jobs? Did that happen? Yeah, because the, the government was trying to establish a real atheistic country. An atheistic know? country, yep. And finally, finally they developed a, a new constitution. And in that constitution in Cuba, the constitution says that Cuba was an atheistic state. You know, if you're living in an atheistic state, Take and you are a believer, you are not in the other side, you know. Right. Yeah, you are not the, like the second class person. And many people in that time in Cuba abandoned churches and declared that they were atheistic. Even if they have some kind of faith anyway, you know, keeping the inside of them. So how when you so you were pastor of a church, all the same church all along, all the time? Well, I was pastoring a little a little church, uh, close church church close to Havana, uh, with about probably 30 members. For example, it was impossible to visit people that they are not believers, because they do not receive in their homes. You know, they are not willing to receive a pastor in their homes. We prepare evangelism uh, campaigns for churches, and we invite a lot of people, just one visitor, two visitors, probably nobody. I, I remember in Cuba for many years, we were preaching evangelism inside churches with no visitors. You know what we did? We opened the windows, opened the windows, and preached very loud, thinking that probably somebody behind the windows, with afraid to be inside the church, could listen to that. Probably for many years we were preaching evangelism without having visitors inside the church. Sure. You're keeping faithful because... You know, we need to preach the gospel anyway. Uh, it's impossible to preach outside the churches. Okay, I preach inside the uh, inside the temple. I open the doors, open the windows, I invite people. If it didn't come anyway, I am going to preach. I am going to preach. So, but things. We, is, go ahead. Yeah, we, we were busy trying to visit people, but the majority of people people do not allow us to visit the houses and to preach the gospel inside the houses. So you had to be invited in. To their yeah. houses. You, you couldn't know, just, you it, couldn't walk it, door it, to door. It was really difficult to just pray, continue praying, continue preaching, uh, giving your testimony with your life, uh, living like, like a Christian. So things are changing. Things are changing now. As I'm yeah, hearing on totally, the streets, totally. things are changing. Talk about the change that is going on now in Cuba. Well, during, l let me tell you, one of the lessons, the most deeper lessons that we have learn in Cuba during that difficult time is that the, the government can't prohibit to preach on the streets, they can't close, but they can't prohibit the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen to that. That's right. They can't prohibit the Holy Spirit. They can, <laughs> They'd they like to try, impede, though, wouldn't they? They can't impede the power of the, of the Word of God anyway. That's right. Anyway, it, it, it is impossible. And one of the principal lessons that we learn in Cuba is the way that the Holy Spirit help people to be, cap- uh, be faithful, and also how the Holy Spirit will touch the people. And all the time, even in very, very hard times, some people, even if they are afraid to come to churches, they feel the need to come to listen about Jesus anyway. Not too much people, but anyway, all the time, all the time in Cuba, many people come to Jesus because they feel that the Holy Spirit was touching, touching them. So, we don't have Bibles in that time. We don't have hymnals. We don't have freedom to preach. But we keep in preaching, keep in praying, keep in teaching about God. And people come to Christ anyway because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Gary, right before we get back to Alberto, really quickly, I know Alberto's going back to Cuba. How can people get a hold of you at Transworld Radio in order to be able to get involved in what Alberto's doing in Cuba? They can call me or email me uh, my cell phone, 863-660-3975, 863-660-3975. I'm the TWR representative here in Florida and happy to share in the church or with anybody about TWR. TWR.org, TWR.org. Okay. Now, Alberto, you got a minute and 15 seconds. Yes, so know that. <laughs> talk to me about what's going on right now. I hear that there is a revival exploding in Cuba. How are you handling it? And how can we, as as Americans, help? Okay, brother. Uh, this is the other part of the story. We were talking about the worst times, you know. But the other part of the story is, is that 50 years of communism has developed in the people the a hunger for God. You know, now Cuban people, because of suffering, because of lack of everything, they have developed a need for God. And we are living marvelous times in Cuba, in Cuba for that. Now we have more opportunities than ever to preach the gospel because people are willing to listen to the gospel. Wherever you go, wherever you find a person and you begin to talk to a person, that person is open to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does God change everything? Even we have the same government, the same political system, we are doing some changes, but anyway, it's the same country, the same government, but the Holy Spirit working inside Cuba during 50 years has changed the mentality of the people, and now the people are wanted for God. So, Transworld Radio is doing a marvelous ministry that. For us, it's really important that the Bonaire station could upgrade the power to send the signal to Cuba. I have a program, Rock Broadcasting in Cuba, uh, Messages of Faith and Hope. I have a lot of listeners over there. The best way to help Christian people now in Cuba, and even non-believers, is to help Transform Radio to establish a very strong signal to Cuba. Transworldradio.org, TWR.org. You can help get the Bonaire station up back up to 500,000 watts. More from Transworld Radio. I'm sure later this year as Gary Whitmore updates me. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks so much to Ace Andrews for his super big help. I really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. Check us out. iWorkForHim.com. Join the nation.
You know, we learned today that sometimes it takes 50 years to open up a door. My entire lifetime, the country of Cuba has been closed to the outside influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet, yet, the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped, neither can radio waves, praise the Lord. And for 50 years, Trans World Radio has been broadcasting into Cuba with the message of Jesus Christ. And now, with the doors opened, opened by a guy who doesn't love Jesus, opened now there's a huge revival going on, and you and I can get involved. Let's help get the gospel pr- pronounced from one end of the island to the other by helping Transworld Radio up their wattage out in their Bonaire station, twr.org, twr.org. Make sure you check out our Facebook post about Alberto Gonzalez and the book that he's written. Thanks so much for listening today. You're listening to the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business, but ultimately... I work for him.